This is Beyond the Class, a podcast brought to you by the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cape Breton University. I'm your host, AJ Fraser, and in this series, we're doing a deep dive into what it means to create a truly transformative educational experience without stepping foot in the classroom. In light of our current situation, universities and colleges around the globe are being forced to take stock of their current programs, processes, and priorities, and put more of a focus in online teaching and learning. Although we know you can't replace the in-class experience you receive in a university classroom or lecture hall, what you can accomplish with proper planning and design in an online course now can be brilliant and meaningful all on its own. In coming episodes, I'll be interviewing with some of the best and brightest around strategies and pedagogical approaches to online teaching and learning and how we can make the best of the newest technologies available to us to bridge the digital gap. In today's episode, I spoke with Terry McDonald, lead educational developer at Cape Breton University's Center for Teaching and Learning, my supervisor, and an unending source of knowledge and experience that has been teaching and assisting with online courses at the university level for many years. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Karen McDonald, educational developer within the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cape Breton University. Terry, what's your history with online teaching and learning? Well, when I was first hired at the university, my task was to take face-to-face programs that were being offered to teachers and make those available to teachers online. So I was working with faculty to look at what it is each of the courses and what the the different programs do, and then see how those learning outcomes for each course and for the program in general could be realized within an online learning environment. Um, And at the same time, when I was was doing this early on in my career, I was also completing my MED in information technology uh, online. Uh, so I was working through that and subsequent to completing my degree, I had an opportunity to start teaching and developing some courses that uh, would be offered through the education department. So I, uh, I'm teaching a couple of courses in the graduate diploma program uh, in ed tech for teachers. And I uh, also developed a technology infusion course for the, for the BED program. When we talk about the idea of community in an online learning experience, what are we referencing? In a traditional face-to-face class, um, a lot of the community building kind of takes care of itself. You do need to be uh, cognizant of whether or not you're going to have a plan for how you're going to you're going to have your students interact in small groups, large groups with the entire class. When you're, when you're doing this face to face, but the students can see the other learners in the class. The instructor has, can, can get feedback from the nonverbal communication of the students and, uh, kind of riff off of that. The students, uh, after the class can, can linger and come up and have a conversation with the instructor. Within an online classroom, those types of interactions are not going to occur unless the instructor has a plan to facilitate that 
using the online communication tools that are available through the learning management system and the suite of tools that the university has made available. So you do need to be much more deliberate and explicit in terms of how the students are going to interact with each other. And within an online class, sometimes the tendency is to uh, think of these, both by students and sometimes by instructors, as correspondence courses, where you're going to make resources available to students, they're going to complete some readings, write papers, send them to the instructor, and the instructor will send them back. But that can be uh, a lonely and isolating experience for students because they don't feel like they're connected to a class as a whole. It's very much um, just independent learning. And with online learning, independent learning is is uh, a large part of it. That's just, just like it is in the traditional classroom. But if you can let students know how you expect them to behave and how you expect them to interact with their classmates, they will have uh, a better experience in terms of uh, being able to interact and share and uh, grow through the course, not just uh, in terms of what they're learning, but also learning from each other and how others are experiencing the, uh, the, the concepts you're exploring in the course. Are there unique challenges to building community in your online course? There are challenges, but then in some cases, you may see them as advantages within an online course. So there's a perception of online learning, uh, I think, especially when I uh, first started uh, at, at CBU, that it is um, very much similar to a correspondence-based course. but um, that isn't how any of the courses that were being offered through the education department and in CBU in general are being run. So you have face-to-face -face classes where people are going to come into the room, getting to class a little bit uh, early. They're seeing the other people in the room, chatting with them. The instructor has the entire class in front of them. It's getting the nonverbal feedback from the students and is able to uh, ask questions and have students uh, interact with each other in the class in a very organic way, like people do. So one of the problems with online learning is that in order to facilitate that same type of student to instructor and student to student uh, communication, you have to be much more explicit, much more deliberate and how you design your course and how you let students know what type uh, of communication is expected and required in order for them to be successful in the course and to feel like they're, they're part of a class. Persistence in online courses has always been a problem in that students may become frustrated if they feel like they're isolated and alone and end up dropping the course. So in order to create that cohesion, uh, to make people feel like they're part of a learning community, you need to have uh, a plan and you need to uh, organize your online course so that students uh, know what they're supposed to be doing 
and feel like they're they're a contributing member of that learning community. What are some of those techniques or strategies you can use to encourage that type of community building and conversation in your online course? The most important component in building community and in uh, setting up your online course is to organize your course in such a way that the students know what it is they're supposed to be doing. The students should be able to come into your online class and get the pertinent information in uh, in a way so that they know what are they supposed to be doing right now. If they log in on the first day or if they log in on the sixth week, they should know this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. You want to set up a communication plan so that students know how they can get in touch with you you also want to have a plan so that you're sending out pertinent information to students on a regular basis at a time that makes sense for what it is that you want them to be working on during the course. So you're going to send out some example exemplars for assignments and uh, things like that, some uh, encouraging uh, words as they're working on a group project, and also um, some Clarification, if you're seeing some discussion and students are a bit uh, confused as to what they should be working on. So the communication plan is critical, but also uh, sometimes within the online learning environment, you will find that you have almost an advantage in setting up group work compared to what you would have in the traditional classroom. So within online, you can set up uh, group work and place students into small groups where they're able to talk with four or five other students uh, and explore some concepts and then share with the entire class. That's done quite a bit in the traditional classroom setting, but you run into issues like, well, the desks aren't shaped the right way or the room is too small to be able to get everybody uh, in their own their own space. With online learning, you can set up uh, asynchronous discussion forums and have students meeting and uh, throughout, the, throughout the week on their own time. You can set up uh, synchronous events and, uh, and rooms where students are able to meet in person to look at some of the, 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 the work that they need to complete. Um, and you can also uh, ask students to share their work in discussion forms or through uh, a wiki so that everyone is um, able to see what the other students are developing for the assignments. Within an online course, you're, it's heavily uh, um, a lot of uh, text-based interaction, but getting students to produce audio and video can uh, change things up. And it also gives the students an opportunity to get to know their classmates on a much more personal level. They feel like they, um, they really know who it is that they're working with um, if they, they can hear their voice or they can see their face or, or a, a video that they've, uh, a PowerPoint that they developed into a, a video or something along those lines. So anything you can do to make the classroom feel a little bit more personal will help towards building the community in, in your class. 
This episode of Beyond the Class is dedicated to the Cape Breton University graduating class of 2020. This has been a challenging year for you, our students, and the faculty and staff that support your learning. So we just wanted to say how impressive of an accomplishment it is that you made it to the end. Good luck with your future endeavors, whether they be further study, employment, or uncharted adventure. Head to cbuconvocation2020.ca to share your best wishes to our grads. And now back to our conversation. What can you do to mitigate the loss of that sense of community when you have a lot of students in your online course? Just like in a traditional class that you may offer on campus, you have a very small group of students. If you had, uh, you know, 11, 12 students in a class, you can go in and just have a conversation with that class. And uh, the back and forth is usually pretty easy to facilitate. You have a class of 70 students. It's going to be much more difficult to engage that entire class in a conversation. The people who want to be heard will speak in class. The people who are um, more nervous of that type of interaction are not going to interact at all. And then there's going to be some people lost in the middle who would have had something to say, but others dominated the conversation. So within the online classroom, you have a large class, you can use small groups in order to put students together and have those conversations with four or five other individuals. Uh, it's much easier and less intimidating to speak to a small group of people. Uh, how I have used groups in the past in uh, one particular course, I'll have students in groups of four or five. They're going to, uh, they're all expected to contribute to a team response to a discussion prompt, and then that is shared with the entire class. And then they, instead of having to read uh, a post from everyone, they just have these team responses they will read and respond to. So that cuts down on how much reading you have to, uh, the students have to complete in a very large class. But it also allows for all of the students to feel like their voice is being heard. They're able to interact in their small group. Their work is represented in the team response. And then they all have an opportunity to comment on the work of the other teams. So um, that's something that I uh, would set up early on in the course. And then as students become more comfortable with having their voice heard, then you can escalate that into a um, larger group discussion. But um, with a large class, starting students off talking to just uh, a, a small portion of their classmates uh, would work better than just having a large group discussion uh, with the with the full large class. Because you're going to have, just like in a traditional, traditional classroom, you're going to have people who are a little bit shy about sharing online. Some students won't naturally want to be a part of those online discussions. And I'm just wondering, what do you do to uh, make sure that your students do feed into this community building and these online conversations? You can set up small groups 
in your online class. And you can ask students to interact with each other in the small groups. You can set up larger groups where students are expected to, uh, to post. But if it's not part of the overall assessment for the course, in my experience, the students just aren't going to do it. Some will. Some will get in there and start posting. But a group conversation isn't going to function if there's just one person talking to themselves. So I will have a participation grade in all of the online courses that I offer. So the participation grade uh, will, and I, I make a rubric available to the students so they're aware of what the expectations for participation are, but I'll have a grade associated with what they're doing online with the asynchronous forms and uh, sharing things through things like uh, the wiki tool and other other types of activities like that. I also use peer evaluation. Peer evaluation, um, I know some people are hesitant to do that. They think, oh, well, the students will just give each other full grades for, for everything. That hardly ever happens in my experience. Students are usually very honest with their assessment of their classmates. It's usually positive, but it's not just uh, give everybody full value for everything. I also ask students to assess themselves within the group. So they're going to give peer feedback and then they're going to give an honest assessment of how they think they've, uh, they've contributed to the group process. So I have a participation grade and if I've implemented groups in a class, uh, a group, small group work, I'll have a peer evaluation as well. If it's not part of the overall assessment, you're just not going to do it. When teaching an online course, how much learning should take place synchronously, that is, in real time over video conferencing or the like, versus having students access material at their leisure asynchronously? Well, in terms of asynchronous versus synchronous, uh, most of my experience with online learning is asynchronous. So I'll have students interacting in discussion forums and also completing independent work. But I do have synchronous events that I will use in the course. So a synchronous event will be scheduled I invite all of the students to attend the event, but because I don't have a time scheduled for the course, I can't guarantee that all the students are going to be available for that, for that event. So I invite everyone. I, in the past, have usually used uh, Skype for Business or Microsoft Teams, but you can use any of these uh, online, whatever the university is making available to you as a platform for synchronous communication. But I invite all of the students to attend the event, and it's usually when I want to do some direct teaching, but also uh, get questions from the class in terms of what is what are the hang-ups in completing this assignment? What are your questions that weren't answered by the materials I made available uh, with the instructions for the assignment? Um, I record the event so that the students uh, who weren't able to attend can play it back later. So I record it. I usually I upload it to YouTube, and then I make the link available within Moodle. So that works quite well. 
with uh, synchronous uh, classes, you want to make sure that you have that time for the class in the academic timetable. Because the students who are going to sign up for your class, if there's no time stated in the timetable, they may have something else going on when you're going to try to have your, your weekly classes. And the as the class gets larger, that becomes more and more of a problem. So you'd want to make sure that you've scheduled the time for the students to come and meet within that uh, within the synchronous discussion platform. And also, if you're going to be doing that uh, on a regular basis, I highly recommend that you use that time where you're bringing the students together to get questions and feedback from them. Don't plan to bring all the students together so that you can deliver a PowerPoint presentation and not take any questions because you can do that offline and make that video available to them later. It's a complete waste of the students' time and, uh, and your time. You can probably get things done a lot quicker without the technical difficulties if you just made a recording. Then bring everyone together and ask if they have questions after the, the presentation has been made. What are some techniques or strategies, maybe even some tools that you implement in your learning management system to help facilitate community building and create an engaging online learning environment? Well, something I do in every class that I teach, uh, I set up an introduction forum where I introduce myself to the students and I give a little bit of a personal information. So I tell them um, about the course in the syllabus and in the introductory email that I send out. But within the introduction form, I let them know a little bit about me and my family, my hobbies, what I like to do, and I put up a personal picture. I also ask them to post something similar. So I ask them to tell us a bit about yourself, tell us why you're taking the course, and share a little bit of personal info. Um, so I set the example with my own. Students get very creative with this, though, and they can uh, they can share some information that just, again, makes things a little bit more personal. You're getting to know the other people who are taking the class and see some similarities with uh, within um, the other. The students are able to see similarities within the uh, within the cohort of students they're going to be working with. Another reason I do that is because when I set up the student groups, um, and I do this differently when I'm, when I'm using student groups in different classes, sometimes I just say, I'm going to randomly put you into groups of five. But other times, depending on the nature of the work that's going to be completed, I might want there to be some uh, similarities or connections between the people who are who are working in small groups. I'll ask them to let me know if they want to work with certain people. Give them a very short window for that because usually I'm getting to groups very quickly at the beginning of the course. But then I'll go through the personal introductions to see if I can find synergies, identify some synergies that I think these, these folks will probably work very well together. So it's uh, it's a great tool at the beginning of the course for me to go in and determine how I want to set up groups, if I want to take that approach and put people into certain groups, but also 
throughout the class, and I'm sure this is a, a great tool. I know it is a great tool for students because I can see the activity and how they go back to the personal introductions form that's at the top of the course throughout the entire length of the course. So they're popping back in there after they're seeing a, a post that somebody has made to see, okay, let's find out a little bit more about Dave. I hadn't read his uh, personal introduction in about four weeks, so they'll pop in there and, uh, and check that out. So that is something that I'd like to do at the very beginning of the class. It's the first activity that they're going to complete after they've looked at the syllabus uh, and uh, the, the work for the week. I want them to post an, an introduction really before they get into any of the other work uh, in the course. And when I put them into small groups, I'll also ask them to do that, to do a bit of a um, get to know you in the small group before they dive right into completing some of the, some of the work. How can you make use of social media or external expertise to make use of the wider community outside of your course? How can students get a feel that this online class is rooted in its discipline and a part of the bigger university community? I've seen this done in online courses with faculty I've worked with over the years in a few different ways in terms of bringing the outside into your uh, LMS course. Uh, you can make use of social media. I've seen this done in the past where the uh, instructor will have a hashtag that's associated with the course. So if they're making social media posts on Twitter, they will have a certain hashtag that they will use and they'll encourage the, uh, their, other, the, their students to use the hashtag as well. Now, over time, you may have students who've taken your course who are still getting alerts on that, uh, on that hashtag. So you have a broader community of students who participated in the online social media discussion in the past, uh, who are able to, uh, they're going to get eyes on those, uh, posts and also they may have some, uh, contributions. And then you could ask, uh, colleagues to contribute to the discussion on social media as well. Now, within another thing that I think is rather important within an online course to, to think about is that for many of your students, that shell in the in Moodle or whatever LMS you're using is the university for that student. So when they leave the class, they're just going to log out and go about their business Unlike the traditional classroom where they're going to leave, they're going to see announcements, they're going to see posters uh, and other things that are happening within the university. So one thing you can do throughout the term is make them aware of university announcements, important dates, things that are sent out uh, that may be pertinent to students, uh, just making those things available so that they feel like they're both part of the learning community within your course, but also part of the broader university community. And they're aware that there are a team of people who are working to make the student experience a positive one, making them aware of all of the, the services that they have available to them as students of CBU or um, uh, whatever university there you're, you're teaching with it.
At CBU, there is a course syllabus policy, and within the syllabus policy, you are encouraged to include components that speak to the uh, CBU Writing Center, the, the Math and Science Center, the uh, library support that they can access. But a lot of times, students are going to take a look at the syllabus at the beginning of the course, and then they may not open that up again if you've made it available as a PDF. So having a section in your course where students are able to click on a link and get to the student services, um, services like the Writing Center made their services available to online students. So they can bring students in, uh, interact through email, but also bring them into face-to-face uh, um, -face meetings through something like Microsoft Teams. Uh, and a lot of times, online students don't know that that type of uh, support is available to them. And some faculty may not realize that at CBU, uh, there are librarians dedicated to each of the academic schools. So it would be uh, critical that you are aware of the which of the librarians are supporting your school and then make that available to your students so they know they have somebody within the library team that they can get in touch with who's aware of the courses that are being they're being offered through your your schools, so making that available within Moodle, uh, right on the front page, can be very helpful to your students if you're expecting them to complete independent work and include uh, citations and explore the uh, electronic databases that are available. Um, let them know who the librarian is that they can get in touch with to to make that a bit easier for them. Thank you so much for having a chat with us today, Terry. Thank you. It's been great. You've been listening to Beyond the Class, a podcast brought to you by the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cape Breton University. I want to give a special thanks to Chris Jones and Herbie Sokoloskis for their enduring encouragement and technical support, Terry McDonald for being the heart of this episode in more ways than one, and I want to thank you for being here and tuning in. Taking on this new journey online takes bravery and your efforts aren't going unnoticed. Don't forget to go to cbuconvocation2020.ca to share your congratulations with our 2020 graduates and new CBU alumni. Make sure to subscribe to Beyond the Class wherever you listen to your podcasts and check back for more conversations about online teaching and learning. Be well. <laughs>